Thanks for coming today. Um, today we are talking about uh, the fear of man as it relates to sex. Uh, so this is bound to be wonderful, uh, at least for me, maybe not for you guys. Um, my hope and prayer uh, today is that I would be able to share some knowledge and wisdom with you guys, uh, and that you'll be drawn closer to the love God has for you in the midst of dealing with um, sexual sin and suffering. So let's begin with a word of prayer, uh, and then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just pray that you'd be glorified this morning through this lesson. God, I pray that you would use your spirit in each of us to convict us of our sin and prompt us to take action through repentance. God, I pray that you'd use those in this room who have had victory in this area to help others. And I pray that you would help us approach this topic with humility, admitting weakness, and seeking help. Amen. Uh, okay, so a couple things. Uh, I have a bunch of books up here because uh, Lucas does it, and it's pretty cool when he does it, so I'm going to do it. Um, uh, I'll explain maybe the books later. You, you can't have them, but you can snap pictures of them if you want. Uh, the other thing is, um, uh, is, okay, so my phone number is up on the screen. I also have Esther Coyar's phone number there. Okay, so if you're a lady and you don't want to text me a question, you can text her. Uh, or you can reach out to Sue Burgess or Liesl Counterman. Those are kind of the female connects. Uh, if you're a guy and you want to chat with me about anything that I talk about during this, feel free to text me. Um, and you can, I have my phone on Do Not Disturb, so you can text me during the lesson if you want. Uh, just don't hit the notify anyways, because um, that will be distracting. So we'll see how many people actually do that. <clears throat> Okay, well, uh, I'm excited um, to be standing up in front of you all today. Um, as I've been preparing for gospel growth, people will ask if I'm excited, and the answer I've given is uh, no. Um, it's just a thing that's happening that I do. Um, but I am excited about this lesson because um, we're going to be talking about a topic that I don't think you hear too often about from a single person. I'm single, and so... I think this will be a, an interesting take uh, or perspective. Um, and there are like three topics that I will talk about all day long. Uh, and sexual sin is one of those topics. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to get into it. Uh, it's going to be great. Um, I have 11 pages to get through, so <laughs> good luck. Uh, we, we'll probably go over. But um, before I started uh, even researching this topic, um, I just began to ask myself, Am I even qualified to teach on this? I'm single, I'm not married. Uh, you know, I, I don't have the experience uh, with sex that some you know, married people in the room might have. Um, and, and frankly, my experience with sex has been darkened by sin. Uh, and so uh, how am I qualified to teach this? Um, well, the, the obvious kind of alternate question is, is who is qualified to teach this lesson? Um, and as I asked that, um, I, I, it led me to some interesting conclusions. Uh, sexual sin and, uh, uh, have likely impacted almost every single person in this room. Um, everyone in this room was born single. Uh, you spent many years with the gift of singleness, whether or not you thought it was a gift. Uh, you're single now. Some of you are single now. Um, and I'm sure the vast majority of you have dealt with uh, sexual sin and temptation as a single person. And in fact, uh, many of us, many of our exposure to sex was as a single person. Um, and so I think the perspective of sex uh, from a single person is a, a valuable one. 
So um, uh, Pastor Bill Perkins says, if you think you can't fall into sexual sin, then you're godlier than David, stronger than Samson, and wiser than Solomon. And so to tie this in with our main topic, and what I hope to show you today is that as the, as the fear of man as it relates to sex impacts all of us, married and unmarried. Uh, our fears of exposure, rejection, and harm as they relate to sex can be seen inside and outside of marriage. And we've undoubtedly been burdened by those fears in the past, and we will probably be burdened by them in the future. So as I go through this lesson today, I just ask that you listen. Listen intently. Don't write this off because you've had victory in this area and you don't need help anymore. Um, there are people in this room that probably do need help and you might be able to help them. Uh, don't write this off because you're married and everything is growing great. Um, parents, remember that your children uh, will likely deal with these issues growing up. Uh, and don't write this off because you've maybe been battling for a long time and it's not getting easier and you're burnt out and you're bitter and you're broken. There is hope. The Lord has not abandoned you. And if you've been violated in the past because of something someone did to you, and you carry a tremendous amount of shame or pain from that, I hope you can be reminded today of the love our Heavenly Father has for us and the joy and restoration he can bring us. So let's do a quick recap. Um, on the screen, I'm going to put up our outline, just the, the headers, just so you can kind of keep track. Uh, I, I, I like doing that, so I'm going to do that for you. Um, but this first one won't be up there. So uh, let's just recap the fear of man, fear of God. Okay, so what are the three words we've been using as sort of descriptors to describe the fear of man? Just shout those out. I just said them. If, no. <laughs> Anyone? What? Exposure. Great. What's the, another one? Great. Rejection. Harm. Yes. Good job. You guys did it. Okay. Yeah, the fear of man causes... Uh, us to be to fear ex fear exposure, right? People seeing our true self. It causes us to fear being rejected by others. We want to be uh, wanted and accepted, and then it causes us to be, be to fear being harmed by others, either emotionally, physically, or psychologically. Okay, so what are the three words that we've been using to describe the fear of God? <coughs> Obedience. Whoever said that? David. Great. Prayer. Prayer. Great. One more. <coughs> Humility, wonderful. Oh, good job. Killing it. Okay. Yeah, so to combat the fear of man, we seek the Lord in humility, admitting who we truly are, not trading our identity in Christ for some identity that we've crafted to please man. And we faithfully um, obey God and seek him in prayer. So to add to this, consider fear for a moment, okay? Fear causes us to seek protection from some threat, and it often motivates us to change so that we can avoid that threat either in the present or the future. Um, the problem with fear of man is that we seek protection from the, uh, you know, we see protection where we are motivated to change in ways that remove God from the equation. The fear of man seeks protection by avoiding exposure, rejection, and harm apart from God. On the flip side, the fear of God allows us to seek protection from God, from his wrath towards unbelievers and his loving discipline towards believers um, by his side, not apart from it. So, uh, you know, the, the fear of God motivates us to change in ways that are honoring to God and in ways we can't possibly change without God. The fear of God doesn't drive us away, it draws us in. Uh, so the fear of man and the fear of God are, are actually quite similar um, in, in that our response to them is at its root essentially the same, right? We either seek protection from the thing we're afraid of, God or man, uh, and we're motivated to change in order to please God or man. 
Now, at the end of this lesson today, you should be able to walk out of here. And you, I mean, right, this is a good thing to write down because you, you, you can prove if I actually did this or not. But you, can, you should be able to walk out of here today uh, and tell somebody how the fear of man traps us in sexual sin and how the fear of God restores our joy and protects sex. So we're going to start by looking at uh, what is a biblical view of sex. Um, and then we're going to look at, so I'm going to do that. Uh, then we're going to look at the common uh, thread between uh, fear, fear of man and fear of God, or, or I, I'm sorry, the common thread between the fears of exposure, rejection, and harm. And then we're going to wrap up by tying all this into the fear of man. Okay. So what is the biblical view of sex? Well, as sinful creatures, we have a tendency to make excuses for our sinful behavior, uh, especially when it comes to gratifying ourselves sexually. And that goes for married and unmarried people. Um, and so to combat that proclivity, about our proclivity to excuse sin, I want to clearly state what sex is and what it is not. Uh, I think if, you, if, I, if I just said what it is, people would be like, ah, oh, well, you know, he didn't say the thing that I do, so I'm good to go. Uh, we're going to hopefully uh, rid you of that foolishness. Um, okay, so sexuality is God's design, and he alone can define the parameters for its use. Sex, as it was created by God, and as we see defined throughout Scripture, is to be enjoyed between one man and one woman within the covenant of marriage. Any sexual act done outside of the covenant of marriage is sin. Adultery, premarital sex, pornography, and homosexuality are all outside of God's design and are considered to be sin. Furthermore, adultery, which was defined in the Mosaic Law, uh, meant sexual activity between a married person and someone other than his or her spouse. And that's prohibited by the seventh commandment uh, outlined in Exodus 20. You shall not commit adultery. Uh, but later in, in Matthew 5, Jesus takes this a step further and he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So this passage tells us that adultery includes any act uh, any sexual act done outside of the covenant of marriage with another person or by yourself, whether done in the mind or acted out physically, is sinful. Lust, not sex, is the threshold for adultery. So thankfully, though, because um, that, that could be uh, rather bleak if we just left it there, um, thankfully we're not stuck in that condemnation. Uh, in Christ, we've been washed from our sin. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 is... A, an incredibly comforting verse um, for those who experience, whose experience with sex looks more like a greasy rag than a peaceful, serene garden. Um, and that says, uh, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, no, no men, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. But then it says, And such were some of you but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and by the Spirit of our God. So, so that's the basis of God-honoring sex that we're going to use, that we're going to build upon today. Now, there's a common thread. Uh, like I said, there's a common thread between um, our fears of exposure, rejection, and harm that I want to highlight, and that is that those, all those, those three things uh, cause us to hide, right? So, okay. Uh, is that, uh, let's see, what do we... What do we have? I don't know. Okay, something's broken, so uh, it will be not be great, but okay. Um, so the, the fear, uh, fear of exposure, rejection, harm all cause us to hide. 
um, exposure, right? We, we fear what people will think of us if we expose um, the, our, our current or past sin, our sinful character or behaviors, and so we hide. We hide our shameful past and our sinful behaviors. Similarly, rejection, we, we fear people will reject us. They know the truth about what we've done, and so we hide our sinful, our shameful past and our sinful behaviors. And then harm, we're, we're afraid of being judged or taken advantage of because of what we've done what is, or what has happened to us. And so we hide the things we've done and we hide the things we've, that have happened to us. And generally speaking, we hide what we've done, what we're currently doing, what we're thinking of doing, uh, or what has happened to us because we're afraid of exposure. We're afraid of people knowing the truth, thus rejecting us and harming us. Now, so hiding is the common thread, and it's, it's the foundation that we're going to use uh, as we work towards understanding how the fear of man distorts sex. Um, so I want to give you two reasons why uh, hiding is not what God desires. The first is hiding separates us from God and community. And this is, I've got like, uh, there we go. Okay. Um, so hiding separates us from God and community. We serve a divine community, a triune God. The Father lovingly sends the Son. The Son willingly bears our sin, and the Spirit effectively applies the Son's work to our hearts. The good news for us is that the glorious, uh, our glorious triune God invites us into community with him. We are, um, let's see, we're not saved by the blood of Christ to remain on our own. Um, no, no, we are, we're, we're saved and adopted into God's family. We're brought into the body of Christ, which is a community. Now, unfortunately, uh, fears of exposure, rejection, harm cause us to hide from that community. Uh, hiding doesn't unadopt us from the family of God. It doesn't amputate us from the body of Christ, but it does have a way of sowing doubt into our hearts. We doubt the care that God and others uh, can have for us, which fuels our hiding. And one of the things that keeps coming up in my life right now is, is the absolute necessity of identifying the lies that I believe about God and combating them with scripture. And I, I, I've prescribed this to some of my friends to do this, to write down the lie and then write down some scripture. And uh, one, of the, one of my friends did it and he, he came up with like a three column approach. He wrote the lie, he wrote the truth, and then he wrote the scripture reference that reinforces the truth. Um, and he, what do you call them? L, LT, lie, scripture, LSTs. I like that, it's kind of fun. Uh, so if you feel so inclined. Um, and, and so if, if you feel like it's safer to hide from God than, uh, than to uh, come to him in humility and obedience, then uh, just re- remember what scripture says, right? Psalm 34, 22 says, The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. Second Samuel twenty two thirty one says, This God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He's a shield to all those who take refuge in him. Psalm 2.12 says, Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Nahum 1.7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. He knows those who take refuge in him. When we hide from God, we're often hiding in a fortress of sin and suffering. We, we, we have to push past that. We have to push past those feelings that tell us that hiding is the best option and remind us of what scripture says. The Lord is offering you protection and refuge. I don't know about you, but that sounds like a very appealing offer, much better than the refuge that I can uh, create for myself. And, I mean, how, like, how futile 
is it to hide from God, right? Hebrews 4.13 says, And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Jeremiah 23.24 says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? And Psalm 139, 1 and 2 says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my paths and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. And then later in verse 7 and 8, it says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. It's so futile to hide from God. And why would we want to hide from him? He already knows our sin and our pain. If we go to him, he will cover our shame. We saw that in Genesis 3 when he, when he covered Adam and Eve, and he'll heal our pain. He is faithful to forgive our sins. So hiding separates us from community as well, right? So it separates us from God. It separates us from community. In Genesis 2, uh, God says it's, it's not good for man to be alone. Now that's talking about marriage, but it's really one of the first directives that we have that says man is meant to live in community with, with one another. Um, in 1 John 1, 7, it says, but if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another. James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Right? Community offers good things, healing from sin, comfort, uh, and encouragement. And Romans 1, 12 says, Paul says we can be uh, encouraged, we can be mutually encouraged by, by each other's faith. Um, I've been doing a book study with a friend on th- uh, th- Tuesdays via FaceTime and another friend on Thursdays. And I, I mean, I have to tell you, those are like the most uh, meaningful and encouraging things I do all week. Um, to sit with another brother in Christ and just encourage one another and be open and honest with one another is, is wonderful. A couple weeks ago, I, I was sitting with a friend and um, I just said, so uh, what, what sin do you have in your life right now? And he just laid it out. And then he asked me, and I laid it out, and it was great, you know. It was, it was encouraging to, to see overlap and to see how we can encourage and pray for one another. Um, and then let's not forget throughout Scripture, God assembles his people in mass to worship him, and that culminates in the formation of the church, um, as Jesus told Peter in Matthew 16. So hiding creates uh, false perceptions of ourselves, so we'll be accepted, But remember, in the household of God and among his people, you're already accepted. We've all come broken and bruised. We all have sin and shame. Um, Does anyone know the song, Come to the Table, by Sidewalk Prophets? No? Yeah? Okay. Come to... No. So, uh, right. (laughs) Come to the table. It says, come to the... One of the lines says, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Right? We're designed to be in community with God and others. Good, wonderful things come from being in a healthy Christian community. Community can help heal your sin and pain and brokenness. Community can encourage you and provide support, help, and love. Is the Christian community perfect? No. Will people fail you at times? Yeah, probably. But maybe let them in anyways. Um, So now we're, it's just a little, little recap. Okay, we're working towards understanding how fear of man distorts sex. We're talking about hiding. That's the common thread between fear of exposure, rejection, and harm. We've just covered uh, how hiding separates us from God and community. And the next one is hiding separates us from the freedom of repentance. Is that it? Okay. Um, 
Hiding separates from the, us from the freedom of repentance. Okay, so that, you know, there's an obvious example in Scripture which paints a fairly negative connotation about hiding. Can anyone think of it? Yeah. Genesis 3, right? It says, this is right after Adam and Eve sinned and uh, against God and ate of the forbidden fruit. It says, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord walk as, you know, sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. All right, hiding allows us to continue in sin without being confronted. Do you realize that, this, that, that you hiding your sin is actually an acknowledgement to yourself of how evil and vile and shameful you think that sin is? Or else why would you hide it? You think this sin is this sin's too messy, it's too shameful, it's too gross, it'll mess up a lot of things in my life, I'll stop soon, I can't tell anyone. When you hide your sin, you actually give it more power over you. You are the one that is, you know, intentionally and willingly hiding your sin. You start by thinking you have power and control because you're the one hiding it. But actually, uh, the tables are turned very quickly. uh, And all of a sudden, sin has all the power and control. And what is the antidote to this, right? Repentance. Repentance frees you from the bondage of sin. The more we see God as glorious and holy, the more we will see sin as something to mourn over. God desires brokenhearted people who have learned to mourn and weep over their sin. God's plan for us is to be holy as he's holy. Thomas Watson says in his book, The Doctrine of Repentance, he says, Repentance is a grace of God's spirit, whereby a sinner is inwardly humbled and outwardly reformed. We need to ask the Lord for genuine repentance that leads to outward change. Now, just a minute ago, I read Genesis 3.8. Adam and Eve had sinned. They're hiding from the Lord uh, in the garden. And what does he do, right? So the Lord seeks them out. Verse 9 says, But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? God didn't leave Adam and Eve in their sinfulness, and he won't leave us either. Um, Your humility will dictate how willing you are to come to the Lord when he calls. And just some verses later in verse 21, it says, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. The Lord clothed Adam and Eve in their sin and shame, and he will clothe us as well. Um, Job 29, 14 says, I put on righteousness, and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. Um, There is wonderful freedom that comes from, uh, from repentance, a wonderful freedom and healing that comes from that. Um, okay, so let's do a quick recap, uh, right? Fear, fear of man, exposure, rejection, harm, hiding. Hiding separates us from God and community, and hiding separates us from the freedom of repentance. So now let's take a look at, um, let's tie this all into the fear of man and take a look at how hiding uh, perpetuates sexual sin and suffering, okay? Um, now I'm willing to bet you don't have to think very long uh, about how words like exposure, rejection, harm, hiding... Uh, how those have impacted your experience with sex. You know, I've been leading this, uh, this men's purity group with Joe Skinner for the past year and a half. Um, and we've had 27 guys come through that group. Um, and it's, it's easy to identify patterns early on. A lot of the guys in that group uh, started struggling early on, um, 10 years old, 11, 12, some earlier, some later. Most of them didn't ask their parents or pastors for help until much later, if ever. And most of their parents never even broached the subject with them. Now, there was a study uh, that was done a while ago in 2014 that reported 
78% of Christian men had viewed pornography before age 16, 40% before 12, 22% before 9 years old, 55% of men and 72% of women said they were not comfortable talking to their parents about sex while growing up. And only 3% of Christian males report never having viewed porn. And that this, this is not just a man's issue, right? This is a women's, uh, women struggle with this deeply as well. It manifests itself in different ways. And women often struggle with a heightened sense of shame because the stereotype is that it is just a man's issue. And so when a woman struggles with it, she thinks that she's all alone or she's in a, she's in a room with very, very few people. Um, statistically, sexual sin may be the biggest problem in the church, but only 7% of, of churches report having a program to deal with it. It's no wonder it's such an issue, right? No one's dealing with it. If churches aren't talking about it, parents aren't talking about it, where do you think our kids are going to go uh, when they have questions, right? They're going to go to the world. They're going to go to their friends. They're going to go to social media. They're going to go to porn. And the world is speaking much louder than us on this topic. Studies show that most men will go to porn or their friends before learning to learn about sex before talking to their parents. Most women will go to their friends before their parents. Now, I think hearing statistics like this should sober us um, and call us to action in our homes and in our discipleship and in our church. Now, it's our first instinct to hide our sin, right? Adam taught us how to do that in Genesis 3, and we've been doing it ever since. We hide behind screens, cleared browser history, apps, romance. We'd rather take comfort in those things than in Christ, in community, and repentance. There's shame and pain attached to the sinful things we've done and the sinful things that have happened to us. And fears about our sexual past or present uh, being exposed, fears about being rejected because of your sexual history, fears about what people will think of you if they knew what had happened to you. The enemy uses those fears to bind us to sin and shame and suffering. And the call today is just don't let those fears keep you from the joy and restoration that is available to you through practicing the fear of the Lord. I've dealt with my own issues in this area. A few years ago, I joined an online group to get some help. We met weekly via Zoom, and we went through the Conquer series. It's a 10-week program. I went through that group three times, okay? So I spent uh, 30 to 40 weeks. There was some uh, extra stuff and uh, just going through the material. And, and uh, there, there were probably, I, pr- I probably met, I, I never met anyone from Utah. Everyone's all over the country. And there were probably maybe 30 or so guys that I met over the course of those three groups. More than half of them were over 50 years old. A lot of them were in their 60s or 70s. They had waited that long to get help. Decades. Years and years they hid their sin. And by that time, marriages were ruined, families had been destroyed, trust was broken beyond repair. And all that just to to do what? Like to preserve some false image that they had crafted about themselves, that they perpetuated for decades. I was, I was, um, it was not until I was exposed Uh, It it was not until I exposed my sin and shame and learned how to fight the battle and leaned on mature brothers in Christ that I finally had meaningful and intentional victory. Our fears of exposure, rejection, and harm are the barriers that keep us from getting into the fight. And it's not an easy fight, man, but once you get in it, the blessings are incredible. 
outside of actually gaining purity and following the Lord in obedience, which is, I mean, that's like Christianity. <laughs> uh, when you get into the fight, like when you actually start working hard, uh, you're going to develop friendships that are deeper and stronger and more meaningful. You'll have, pleasure of, you'll have the pleasure of helping others fight and gain victory over the enemy. Your relationship with, with God will be so much deeper and more special. It's impossible to maintain a healthy, loving, enjoyable relationship with God when your body and soul is bound up in sexual sin and darkness. Um, I don't have a good transition to the next point. I was rehearsing it yesterday and to this morning and hoping that something would come up. Nah. So <laughs> the next one is uh, the fear of the Lord should prevent us from continuing in sexual sin. And Ben's probably taking notes. Better transition. Yeah. <laughs> if you have a feedback form of mine, write it down. Whatever. Okay. <clears throat> so I want to highlight two things that should encourage us to stop hiding and start seeking help. And the first is just to dwell on the incredible benefits of seeking humility, obedience, and prayer. I don't think I have that on the thing. Uh, dwell on the incredible benefits of seeking humility, obedience, and prayer. Okay, so practicing the fear of the Lord has a way of making our fear of man seem rather insignificant, right? When you develop a deep understanding of and love for humility, obedience, and prayer, your battle against sin will change drastically. When you remember that in God's kingdom, everything is upside down, right? The first or last, the weak or strong, the meek will inherit the earth. You'll understand that the things that cause you to hide, the things that cause you to fear, exposure, rejection, harm, are actually the very things that you need to confess and share with others. They're the, uh, let's, uh, da, da, da. Uh, those are the things that will free you from shame and suffering um, when, you, when you share those and confess those. And it's my deepest desire that the Lord will work in each and every one of you. Um, wow, we are running out of time. Uh, that's okay. We have like three more pages. That's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's my deepest desire for all of you to identify your fear of man and, um, and take that to the Lord. And I pray that for myself and I pray that for you guys. Uh, the second one is, is that it would behoove you to remember the Lord's discipline, okay? So this is Hebrews 12, right? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be re- weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. If you continue in sin, if you continue hiding your sin, the Lord will discipline you. That in and of itself should be a fearful thing, right? The discipline is painful, and it, come, it might come with some serious consequences for sin. And I, I think it's healthy to sit under the weight of that. Hebrews 12 it paints it very well because it, 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 lets you, it lets you read the gravity of that. But then there's a lot of reinforcement and encouragement and truth. Uh, verses 10 and 11 says, uh, But he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who've been trained by it. Discipline from the Lord is not punishment. God punished sin on the cross. But when we continue in sin and do not repent, the Lord will discipline us. Uh, Okay, let's keep going. Um, Now consider also something a bit more scary, right? If you do not expose your sin, the Lord may do it for you. And he may not be gentle about it. He'll do it in love, but it might not feel like love. But remember, it would be unloving for God to leave you in your sin and suffering. He doesn't do that. And so he may expose it for you. Um, 
Because frankly, the Lord is far more concerned with your pursuit of holiness than, than you preserving some false image about yourself. So let humility, obedience, and prayer combat your fear of exposure, rejection, and harm. You have to intentionally assess your fears of exposure, rejection, and harm and intentionally apply humility, obedience, and prayer. And I hope you guys are doing that. I hope, I hope you guys can, I mean, for me, I have to write things down. So write down humility or write down exposure, rejection, and harm and look at your life and see, I mean, write things down that would tie to those. And then look at uh, humility, obedience, and prayer and see how those things are the remedy to those fears. Uh, and I would commend to you Psalm 32. It's a, I mean, that is a wonderful psalm, of, psalm about the, the benefits and blessings of, of confession. <clears throat> wow, I'm going over Chan. I think Chan was teaching in the other room, and now he's in here. So, Okay, uh, just a couple more minutes. Uh, final messages. Okay, as I was writing this, I was thinking of the groups of people that might be sitting in this room. I thought of three groups, and I wrote a little message to each, each type of person. Okay. Um, but before I, before I read these, I just want to remind you that there, there are wise ways to share and, and confess. There are, there are wise, you know, and safe, uh, wise and safe places um, to do that. And so I would encourage you to, as you, as you do that, just be thoughtful about it. Um, if you're going to share with a friend, maybe find the friend that's, that you trust the most and is a bit mature. Um, a pastor or a pastor's wife is always a wonderful option. Um, guys, I would love to hang out and chat and, and talk with you, and you can text me. I'll put it back on the screen once I figure what, out what happened. And uh, at, ladies, like you, you can connect with me, and I will connect you with Esther or Liesel or uh, Sue, or you can uh, reach out to them. Um, okay, so the first message I have is to those that are currently hiding their sexual sin, okay? So to those that are hiding their sexual sin. If you have been struggling for any prolonged amount of time with sexual sin, do not leave here today without talking to somebody. Do not think for a moment that you can go home with a renewed strength and fight this battle on your own. You probably can't. It's not an indictment of your inability to fight sin. It's just an honest recognition of your need for community. There are people in this church who are willing and able to help. Stop hiding, step into the light, and consider the fear of the Lord. Practice humility by admitting your weakness. Obey the Lord by seeking help and putting off sin. And go to the Lord in prayer. The second message is to those fighting for sexual purity right now. This is a hard battle, but I want to encourage you to keep fighting. Some of you might have been fighting for a week and some of you for years. And it, it, may, it may feel like nothing has changed. It may feel like you've taken one step forward and two steps back, but I encourage you to remember the Lord's faithfulness. Remember the change that he has brought over time. The Lord will often use our sin to keep us dependent on him. So consider how this sin keeps you dependent on God. Don't compare yourself to, uh, to those that have uh, more victory than you. Dr. Dan Allender, an author and counselor, writes, The assumption is that if God is involved, then the process will be brief and not too messy. If that were true, then why did God take 40 years to teach Moses humility and leadership skills in the sheep fields of Midian? Deep healing, supernatural change may take years of struggle, trial and error, and growing in strength to make the next significant move of faith. Okay, we all have different battles. The Lord will keep us in until his work is done. Continue to walk in obedience and faith and see what he does. And then the final message is uh, to those who have been violated or abused. This is a very complicated issue. and It is not one that I uh, will presume to know about fully. What I will say is this. 
what happened to you is a sin and a crime, and it was not your fault. And I'll remind you, it was not your fault. Continuing to hide what happened only gives what happened to you more power over you. There are wonderful people in this church that want to talk to you and help you. There's no pain that the Lord can't heal. So step out in faith and trust that the Lord will provide for you. Now, I want to just close with a final message, and it's, it's one that we all need to hear more than just the, the words I've written. I want to go back to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, um, because that, the gospel is in that message, and that's the one we need. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. Okay, so this, this, that verse is the gospel, right? I mean, it shows us what we were, dirty, broken, sinners, going our, way, going our own way away from God, but the Lord provided a way back to himself. He didn't leave us in our sinful mess. We're washed by Jesus' blood, adopted into the family of God. So come to the Lord, humble, your, humble, humble yourself before the Lord and confess your sin and brokenness and feel the warmth of his embrace.